0: Welcome on, thank you for tuning in to the Bad On FC Podcast. The podcast focusing on all things pro soccer in the DMV and across the United States. My name is Oseo Maña, sports writer for Sports Post, And joining me as always is our co-host, Mario Maya from Tiempo Latino. Mario, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great. Or, as others would call it, splendiferous.
0: Or, uh, whatever. Um, <laughs> well, before we get to what we saw... Uh, covering the Washington Sphere this past Saturday. We can't help but start the podcast in a terrible, somber note. And by somber, I mean in a very angry, disappointing, disparaging, ugly note. And that is because in two matches, if the U.S. men's national team's quest to get back into the World Cup in their first match, they get a win, but then come up looking terribly against Panama as Aniba Godoy scores in the 54th minute to get Panama the 1 0 victory here this Sunday night. So,
1: National SC's Anibal Godoy, may I add?
0: Yep. And so, we should be looking at both matches considering that the United States did play on Friday night and were able to get the 2 0 victory over Jamaica. However, this one stings just because it just happened before we started recording the podcast. So, Mario, what are your thoughts on the collection of these two matches and what have you seen overall?
1: Uh, so my emotions for all of this is uh, uh, happiness and despair all rolled into one. I don't know how you that's humanly possible, but here we are. Happy because, you know, at least the USMT was able to win at home, have a sol- a strong, solid performance thursday night against jamaica there's a less somber a little more angry because they just laid out essentially what you could describe as a wet turd out in panama city today <laughs> that's the best way to describe it uh granted there was a lot of lineup changes going into this game compared to what you saw thursday night uh you saw a much more stronger lineup i guess again well not stronger uh a uh, much more like youthful lineup in, in a way against Jamaica Thursday night. While I was here they made eight changes, only three players started from uh, from Thursday's game, and that was Paul Riola, Eunice Musa, and Matt Turner. All praise Matt Turner, by the way. Uh, it, it it was just a tale of two different games. The US was a lot more up for it in in the uh, in the Jamaica game, but given that they played at home. Well against Panama they they didn't they didn't really propose much of anything. There there was a lot of there was a lack of idea go, going up top. There was a lot of shakiness defensively. I feel like Panama could have won this game three nothing easily if it weren't for two saves from Matt Turner in the first half. And I in the goal, like usually set pieces are the USMT's forte just wasn't tonight and they they paid for it all a set was really enough. they paid for it with a ball. godoy uh heading the ball home it looked like jazzy's artist may have gotten a touch to it uh but all in all it was a tale of two games where one game made you feel happy and happy and you know happy for this team and happy for the result while today you're like What happened? It was like a Jekyll and Hyde effect, if you you could say it when it comes to these two games.
0: Yeah, you're being very kind. I think in the first game, we saw the emergence of Pepe. Pepe, uh, Carl Pepe, Texas' own, goes in, basically a home home game for him. And he goes in, he scores two goals in the second half. After a dominant first half by the U.S., but very... Missing the goal, the final touch, if you were Parriola for DC United played. He had an opportunity to get on the score sheet, did not. And you leave a positive thinking about that, especially with the future of Pepe and what he can bring. I think the only person that was telling people to calm their expectations for him was Alejandro Moreno for me. It's PN because here's the big thing is that he needs service. And today was indicative of that. He came off the bench um, in this Panama game, hopefully to light up a spark. And with the problem of the whole game was Panama was bodying the United States' three-man midfield with essentially a five-man midfield, clogging up all this space the United States would prefer to have, clogging up all the passing lanes making it very difficult even to make the interchange. You mentioned uh, the 11 changes. There was no – we have the same problem like we did in the first game, but this time around it was amplified by the fact that Legette was playing in the midfield versus just normal winger role as with the strikers, and he's already tired and torn from playing a full 90 in in Austin – you have Timothy Weah not tracking back and leaving holes where uh, George Bellow would be in the back line. I never th- thought McKenzie and Zimmerman had in the center of the defense had any cohesion whatsoever. This game was begging for someone with experience to control that back line. And I'm looking at who they had on the bench and and no people of confidence. Serginho Des didn't come into the game. This was not the game for Serginho Des. Thank goodness. No
1: Serginho Des left out with a slight knock against Jamaica. Given how physical this game was getting at certain points. No, this wasn't gonna be the game for him to, to bring no. in bring him in.
0: Nope. And, like, maybe I could have seen them put in Gio Lucan uh, Gio, Gio, whatever, uh, Busio putting in Buccio for in the game. But to be honest, like you mentioned, there was no sense of urgency in this second game. I felt that Greg Halter made too many changes in this, and it felt like for sake of changes, as well as the fact that they were missing some guys due to COVID requirements. You had Anthony Robinson didn't travel. We didn't. We didn't have John Anthony Brooks. Like these are the guys that would have helped the back, and I felt that the back was le- ooh, lacking, especially in the center of defense, to stop it. And look, I am all in favor of of MLS's Kevin Acosta. I love him. I think he's great. He can't take every set piece. I'm sorry. He, he, the free kick, the corner kicks in the first half were just so terrible. It was void of ideas to the point where I texted you. I said, if the plan is to move the ball from one side of the field to the other, they would be better off just doing Played short, it short. Form, playing it sharp, small corners, and then just moving the ball around to then go into the other side. Um, it just, it, it the free kick opportunity he had. Props to Telemundo in hyping up that free kick that went too far left. And gone Conte, I love you. But when you look at the other angle of that free kick, he hit it straight and it went wide because he hit it straight. Not going to be, not going to work in this level. I, I don't know, and, and I, I wonder what your thoughts on this is, too. We keep relying on too much youth to the point where, you know, Sebastian Legette is the veteran. You know, (laughs) Ariola is the veteran. And I'm looking at MLS. I'm looking at uh, a healthy Michael Bradley. And yeah, he's not the same Michael Bradley. But this team needs a guy who's going, when these road games get tough, we've now seen three. When these road games get tough, they need, excuse my French, an asshole that will tell them that, you're f- messing up. And th- this team, they lacked urgency. They lacked that motivation. It can't be Tyler Adams always. As, as we saw today, he had to start on
1: the bench. You need more Tyler value. Adams got a yellow card 25 seconds into the second half.
0: Exactly. So it's one of those where I'm just looking at what the call-up situation was, what was brought in the lack of the center-back situation because of COVID, and nobody of actual experience stood up to stop Panama. Panama overloaded the midfield, and I felt that Greg Rohalter's response was, well, hold on, and that didn't work. They didn't bring the urgency, especially once Panama scored because the whole mindset was to hold on. You can't ask us to hold on when I'm drowning. You can't, when I'm drowning, you can't tell me, hold on. You got to either help me out or say I'm dead. In this case, Craig kept saying, hold on. And I was drowning and drowning and drowning if I'm a USMT player.
1: Yeah, I, I, I kind of agree. I feel like a Michael Bradley type w- would have been very well needed in the, in these situa- in this situation because he knows how to play these games. It isn't like Panama had like this super super uh, complicated game plan. It was just overloading the, midf- the midfield and exposing the wing. Shaq Moore and George Bello, I felt were getting exposed at times and they track they didn't bother to track back at times either. So you, you had situations where they were put, there were there are times Panama were getting good looks at goal but didn't really take advantage. Hell, they almost scored two Olympic-style, olympico goals off of back-to-back quarter kicks. Right. Again, thank God for Matt Turner in goal. Uh <laughs> it, it 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 just boggles the mind that a you didn't really think of bringing other players into this situation. B you burned all five subs in the first six in the first fifteen minutes of the second half. Yeah. You bur- You burned them. And I'll, I'll, I would have brought I, – I feel like maybe I would have brought in Christian Roldan in this situation. I would have brought in DeAndre Yedlin. And I wouldn't have necessarily taken early, out – Earlier, earlier, I would have brought in DeAndre Yedlin earlier. Uh, I would have taken out George Bello, not because – I, not, not for any specific reason. It's just that he was just drowning out there. And DeAndre Yedlin has a little more experience playing these games. Oh, also, Telemundo. I hate these trivia games so much. <laughs> Just to put point that out there.
0: Well, you um, hate them because it brings a memory you don't like. But I texted you. This game needed a Graham Zuzi. If you didn't, if you're going to think Michael Bradley's old Graham Zuzi is that type of midfielder that sets, calm, sets space, and then when he's in attacking mode, can set up an attack or take a long shot. There were very few threats from far. Very few threats from any of the strikers. United States had five shots, none on target. I mean, that's that says it all right there. Jesse Zard is on an island. I can't blame him because they couldn't get on the ball. Ricardo Pepe try to make things happen, but what happens when you try to force something? You set up counterattacks for the other team. Like it ends up to happen because you make mistakes and then you leave your team in a hole. So
1: also, if you had three pitch invaders during, uh, during, at the end of the game, you that congratulations, sucks. you got bingo on on your cocker calf board right there.
0: That about the only entertainment in these ni- in these ninety minutes. Because if you're gonna if you're a fan and you're gonna think, oh, I'm gonna go rewatch this and talking a lot of nonsense, don't. I'm um, to so mercy. I'm giving you mercy here. Don't do that to yourself. I love you. Like don't watch this game. This game was ugly. Not because Panama was elbowing people to death or, or the pitch invaders went out and slapped somebody. No, 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 no. It's, it, it, it needed a pitch invader to slap somebody because it was so boring to watch.
1: Well, it, it had two of them. Yeah, they One of them kicked the ball, for, for Christ's sakes.
0: And then we yeah. had two extra balls, twice. We had that.
1: So somebody chucked the ball. And, and this is, uh, weirdly enough, it came off a of Panama break. Somebody decided to chuck the ball, just eat it onto the field while Panama was attacking. So you had two balls on the field. Uh, you had Panama wasting time at the end of the game with cramps. Uh, that, that I know somebody's going to like, that's nitpicking. No, that's just CONCACAF right there. That's peak CONCACAF. Uh, other than that. They didn't
0: eat it. They didn't. And guess what? I'm going to tell Panama fans this. You didn't need to resort to that. No, because the United no, States the was United not States
1: doing much of anything after, the, yeah. after the goal. What five yeah. shots on goal? Five shots and none of them on target. Like yeah. you were fine. You didn't well, need to. It's re- <laughs> a whole different kettle of fish itself. I like personal entertainment. I like seeing people get tackled. But you know, it, it just goes to show that a not all the not everything that Greg Berhalter set out to pl- to do or what his intentions are are always going to work. And this the game plan wasn't it? Uh, the lineup wasn't it. It wasn't it, boss. That's all I got to say about that. And if there's somebody out there that's already going like, "Oh no, we're going off the ledge. We're going lo- we're going to be eliminated from the World Cup." Calm down. <laughs> it's a loss. It happens. US has lost before in Central America. Big deal, maybe, but not such a big deal where you jump off the ledge. Uh, they got one more game coming up against Costa Rica, who weirdly enough beat El Salvador today. So that meant double disappointment in my father's face. Uh, the Salvador
0: 14, mind you, had beaten Panama prior to this game against the United States. So you could see that they were probably motivated to go out there and show themselves at home after just taking a surprising loss in their book against El Salvador, to go out and show that they could compete with the best of CONCACAF and get qualified again in the World Cup. Like, for them, this was a turning point, and they wanted to show their face and go out there and compete. Whereas the United States, let's be honest, went in pretty overconfident against against a...
1: A Wounded a, Panama a, team. A you
0: Wounded Panama, yeah, exactly. They should have been Right, and a, also
1: that, that game against, against El Salvador was also pretty physical and chippy for Panama. So not only were they motivated, they were going to make it uncomfortable for El Salvador inside the friendly confines of El Romel Fernandez in Panama City. So all, all in all, also Jamaica drew Canada today, which is ironic. But again, Pan- Panama City is not an easy place to play in. Panama uh, took Mexico to the limit there in the first round of qualifying, and got a 1-1 draw out of, the, out of the whole out of the whole thing. So, a just calm down, keep calm. You got one more game left. It's not the end of the world. But I think they, the U.S., uh, Greg Berhalter and the team, can just take this as a learning experience. Look at the things that they did wrong throughout the game, and, and work on it. And also, you're playing at home in the friendly confines of Columbus, Ohio. So, you know, take yeah. that sauce.
0: <laughs> no one's ever said friendly confines in Columbus, Ohio in the same sentence. But sure, we'll say that for now.
1: The confines of, of Columbus, Ohio.
0: Well, here are the standings before we move on. Mexico now leads the, con- the top three seeds, end up going to the World Cup while the fourth place plays a playoff uh, to get in. Mexico currently leads uh, with 11 points. The United States with eight, tied with Panama, who has eight. Canada, because of the draw, is at seven. Costa Rica with six due to its victory against El Salvador, who is now at sixth place At five. Honduras with three after the loss against Mexico. And Jamaica rounds out with two points. We will move on. But, yes, the United States needs uh, to maintain pace as the World Cup qualifying moves on to the next round. Speaking of keeping up pace, we've been trying to keep up pace with all the spirit news and information that have happened in the following week. Let's just get to the basics. The, for those who have missed out on what happened this week, Tuesday. Or if
1: you've been living under a rock.
0: Yeah. Tuesday Tuesday morning. Washington Spirit owner Steve Baldwin resigned as CEO and managing partner of the team, meaning his day-to-day operations. He still maintained his ownership stake of the team. Um, and here's what he said in, in his statement that he would look to continue improving the club's culture in Help to move on from this and by this he means the Richie Burke investigation where Richie Burke was found. Well, we don't know for sure, but reports say that Richie Burke was found to have been verbally abusive towards players and Baldwin is resigning due to that, saying he hopes that the club will now regain its focus to winning a championship. Team president Ben Olsen will now have complete control of the club's operations going forward. Later that evening, the players came out with their first statement, their very first public statement after everything that's gone on in the past two and a half months. And their statement was simple. Sell the team, Steve. That has been the slogan the fans have been saying. Uh, Since everything has begun, here's one uh, sentence from that statement: "We are disappointed and frustrated. You have had no direct response to you have. We have not received no direct response from you to our letter, even an acknowledgement. You've received it. You have shown." We have shown incredible restraint by not commenting publicly on all the infractions committed by the club and the abuse we've experienced. We have been open and honest with you after holding in our voices for a long time. The statement ends with the players calling for Michelle Kang to become the new full owner. She's currently a part owner of the team. We had two matches (laughs) at this segment uh since the cancellation of last week's games we had two matches in their first set match wednesday in a tie against new york new jersey gotham
1: aka the carly lloyd memorial game
0: (laughs) played in philadelphia um there was a moment of solidarity in the sixth minute for the two players who accused paul riley former coach of north carolina courage of sexual coercion allegations. That is what we have until yesterday. Yes, uh, Friday night, it was reported by The Athletic that Michelle Keg made an offer to purchase the team at a reported $15 million. Baldwin refused and is considered to resell the team to an owner that will move the spirit outside of DC. When Aubrey Bledsoe was asked, uh, her response was simple. The players are determined to stay in D.C.
1: I don't even have the words to describe the emotions. You know, we love the city. We have made it very clear the
0: path forward for this team. We believe that Michelle will be a great owner and continually put the players first. Uh, we made that very clear in our statement. And unfortunately, I don't think Steve is is going to um, honor our requ- our demand or request He says that he puts the players first, but I don't know how he can do that when there's a chance that we would be moving. So that is not at all what this team wants. We want to stay here in this this city. It's a great city. They deserve a club and we have a suitable path forward. Before we get to actual soccer from yesterday, Mario, what are your thoughts on what's going on with the spirit now?
1: yeah i'm kind of with the players here you know steve you kind of missed the point here a little bit everything that's gone on is pretty wild and now with the new uh report saying that you want to sell the team to another owner and move it somewhere else is kind of ridiculous to me that that just seems like a pretty a pretty sounds like someone that's pretty petty that's willing to like say If I can't own this team, nobody in D.C. can own this team. We're going to move this thing to Boca Raton, damn it. That's what it sounds like. It also just pretty much with all the – everything that's gone on with the player's statement making it pretty clear that, A, they they don't want anything to do with you anymore. They don't even want you to be around them. Just sell the team and just with that utter refusal just kind of states that you want to make this as – you want to make this as much of a power move and as messy as humanly possible weirdly enough michelle kang before the game came up to the press box and said hello to everybody uh she she uh walked around introduced herself and, and talked to a few me- to a couple media members a co- for a, for a couple minutes so i think with everything that's gone on a yeah it's a lot to take in b I think it's pretty clear where the players stand on this. They want they want Michelle Kang to take full control of the team going going forward. And see, I think it's just one of the. It it feels like a never ending cycle of of hot potato when it comes to the ownership news. When it comes to the spirit, and I think it's got to it's got to end at some point, right? It's got to. And when you got and when you have a play, when you have one of your well, one of your uh, emblematic players or one of your uh, most recognizable players in Auburn Bledsoe saying, no, we don't want we don't want to move anywhere. We want to stay here in D.C. We want to play for for we want to play here. We We like it here. Don't don't think of selling the team to somebody else so you can move it kind of speaks volumes of where everything stands when it comes to this situation. Yeah, I may not sound like the most intelligible person when explaining all of this but i think that if you tie two and two together this is one of those situations that you got a cave at this point i don't care who who anybody is you kind of got a cave to build some form of goodwill i i, I believe
0: well it also is power move because if for those who don't know when he purchased his stake into the team he promised that any profits made will go to the Maryland Soccer Foundation, which means you're not going to make a penny off of it. So what's your deal? And it screams power play, screams jealousy. If you are this philanthropist that feels he is above pettiness, this screams pettiness. This screams like an angry child upset that no one likes him anymore. So no one will play if he can't play. So...
1: man. I hate this. nobody's gonna get to play for this team.
0: And it's sad. It's pretty sad, and it's, it kind of sucks because the players, the players didn't have to speak out. It sounds pretty clear. The players didn't want to speak out. They've had two press conferences since we got to ask Andy Sullivan about this, and she explained how hard it is to basically go back and forth from trying to support. The two players from the report on the athletic, from that, the moment of solidarity, to then reminding herself, oh, I'm just a soccer player, to then reminding herself, but there's crap going on on my team. It's a lot. It carries a lot.
1: We've had a lot of conversations as players about how how terrible we feel for each other, and I've never felt, especially tonight when we stopped and gathered together, I've never felt so connected to every single player in the league, current and former.
0: These players don't want to do this, but they feel that their voice hasn't been heard enough. Look at other leagues; players are their voices are getting heard more and more. The power of the player. Is, is growing, growing, grow, growing more and more immensely every day. And I hope we bring it up often and how much I feel it's embarrassing that the biggest names in men's soccer don't battle for some more equality in the women's game for their game because it all comes together. And so when you have this lack of balance, like – it shows and the players can't help but say it. And so applause to them. They didn't have to say anything. They don't owe us that right. They didn't they don't even owe to speak to us. They could honestly tell PR team, please keep it game only. We'd have been fine with that. But they've been open and honest and, and transparent in how much they don't want Steve to be a part of the team anymore. No association whatsoever. Even if let's say Ben Olsen is the team president. That's the other thing. How awkward is it for Ben Olsen to come into the job, um, presumably helping out a couple of friends who own the team? And you have an investigation, a COVID outbreak, and now your own players are saying, We want the ownership to go away. Like, that's got to be a rough. And, and now you're in charge of everything going forward i don't know about you but i don't expect ben olsen to know much about rental agreements i don't expect ben olsen to know much about ticket prices i don't expect ben olsen to know much about sponsorship deals which by the way the spirit have lost two sponsors this weekend uh prior to this weekend's match uh in cvs and sandy springs brink who funny enough both were at one point sponsors on the jersey so there you go <laughs> So that that tells you that the brand has been poisoned to a point where nobody's going to want to associate with it. And to come into that job, it's got to be pretty awkward. And, oh, half the fan base thinks that you don't know crap about women's soccer. So <laughs> that's got to be hard to now be in charge of all of that, too. Not saying I feel sympathetic. It's not saying that poor Ben Olson is more of like, I would hate to be in that position if I were
1: him. If I were him, I'd be like, oh boy, what do I do now? (laughs) And it's kind of interesting. Also, Ashley Hatch kind of touched on it. She didn't touch anything about the Steve, about Steve Baldwin situation. She kind of talked about more how the coaches helped them navigate through this. Our coaching staff has been very helpful. I think everyone around us has been very supportive and our understanding. Even us as players, it's really hard sometimes to show up every day when there's so much going on around us that doesn't actually involve soccer, involves us having conversations that don't have to do with our jobs or shouldn't have to do with our jobs. So we're all here for each other, and no one steps on the field unless they feel like they can mentally, physically, and emotionally. So we've definitely had to pull together, um, lift each other up. We've had some tough days but we're here for each other of course you know they want to be soccer players they want this to end but they feel like a we have to talk about it because it's affecting them personally and they they have to deal with it on on a daily basis and i and especially on times that they don't want to deal with this on a daily basis so yeah it's a really fucked up situation pardon my french for everybody involved but again, it's you You feel like this statement was just pretty much more of a culmination of everything that had been pent up throughout everything that's gone on with the spirit in the last two months or so. And with with Baldwin just saying, I'm stepping down from day to day operations, I still ain't selling this team was kind of like, um, excuse me, we we don't want you here, period. What part of we want you gone, don't you get kind of a deal? That's cool. How that's kind of what the statement sounds like to me. But it also just feels like the, the statement also details like we're disappointed in the, re- the direction that the team is going on under Baldwin or we've been disappointed. We want to go in a new direction. Just please sell your share to Kang and, mo- and we can move on and start healing.
0: Yeah, and Michelle has been at multiple games, including both the Gotham game and this past weekend's game. And I feel that she'll continue to be a presence. I think everything that's gone on, it has required additional attention. And if you, you don't want to be that absentee owner when your players are looking for you for not like you know, you're not a doctor or anything, you're not a psychologist, but they want to know that hey, you're paying attention. And I think that's what's really gotten to these players' gears is they found out, you know, essentially Richie Burkin got the job because that was his friend. And that even when questioned about it, the players looked at the questions, you know, the allegations of him verbally abusing youth players. And ownership kind of turned a blind eye to that. And so it's hard for these players. They been trying to keep relatively quiet. If you ever pay attention to social media, they keep it soccer focused, uh, and parts of their private life, but mainly soccer focused. They're probably more soccer focused than <laughs> than majority of teams on the in this city. A lot of teams in the city like to, you know, engage in the politics and discussion. Um, you know, we had Bill Hamid with the Black Lives Matter protests. Uh over COVID last year and you had the Wizards and Washington football team always you know, just their name alone brings problems. The spirit players have really stayed out of controversy and that is a blessing and a curse. And I think it's time. It's time for Baldwin to step down his ownership. I think Bill Lynch has been quiet for too long. I need I mean, the band is the reason why Steve Baldwin is there, so I think Bill Lynch also, there needs to be calls for him to go as well. Everybody's focused on Steve because he's the money man uh, and the majority stakeholder. I think Bill Lynch has things to answer for as well. It's not just, he was the one that brought everybody in. He can't be the only one to sit quiet. Everyone needs to address. He has questions to answer for too. On to actual football, because, while the Spirit were able to get a 0-0 draw against Gotham, they totally had no problem dispatching the hell out of out of Rassing Louisville. It was a three-nothing result. A pair of goals by Ashley Hatch. Domino around player of the game for me was uh Trinity Rodman. Just <laughs> the US men's national team could have definitely used the winger like Trinity Rodman today. I could have told you that. No,
1: it's, I mean, yeah, you know, the way she ran up and down the field for 90 minutes, absolutely giving rossing louisville defenders nightmares yeah she could have been totally be totally useful in this for the usmt today and yeah it was a dominant performance what what else is there to add right there they they dominated from beginning to end and i feel like a rossing louisville had no answers for anything that the spirit brought to them for most of the game at all And now Ashley Hatch is tied for first as the leading goal scorer in the NWSL with nine goals. You got to brace this. This was her first. She scored her first goal in the eighth minute. First goal since August 22nd against the Orlando Pride. And you know they they pretty much dominated for the most part. I think just pretty much having Trinity Rodman dominate down the wing, Ashley Sanchez doing what she does best. And just, I guess the whole team was in sync. It, it, it was kind of a, a a breathtaking performance to see, to be honest with you.
0: Well, you would think with all the rest that they were able to recuperate, and Chris, Chris Ward, the interim head coach, mentioned this, specifically about Trinity, was that whole month of September where they were out due to COVID, um, it allowed players to recuperate in their bodies, the injuries, specifically Trinity, I remember clearly telling Richie Burke and asking multiple times, and it got annoying, <laughs> are you sure you're playing 90 minutes at Trinity Robin is okay? And it was finally where Chris Ward said, yeah, probably wasn't a good idea. That's why we got her off got her off the bench against Gotham. And, and to me, that's managing your players, not making them burn out. I feel like... Too many times we've seen that with young players in NWSL. See Mallory Pews, see uh, Trini Rodman before the coaching change, where you just feel that they're going to burn out. But I thought she was excellent going down the wings. I thought that her distribution has gotten better. She still needs to be more aware um, on the field. There were a couple of moments where she's got one-on-one opportunities and she's running on the center. She could have passed it right, found Takarada in the second half around the 90th minute. Takarada had a wide open chance, but she ended up trying to go for the shot. And because there's two defenders in front of her, she doesn't see the goal and ends up hitting it wide. That's one of those cases where you've got to look up, got to fully think, got to play open to my right. Let me give her the ball. Maybe she's got a better shot than I do because I have two defenders looking dead at me. Maybe it's a better idea to pass. But I think the spirit, funny enough, had made multiple changes. But I felt that each change came perfectly and worked well. You know, Toya Houston got a break um, and and got some rest, you you have Paige Nielsen who, who came in the second half after starting and playing the full 90 against Gotham. That It was, it was changes not to the sake of making changes, the opposite of the U.S. national team where they made eight changes. Um, there were changes to fit some holes here or there, but not mix the chemistry and the flow. And this was probably their best game since Richie left, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, it man's ha- it down has to be their best game since Richie left. Again, dominant performance. We also realized that Haffer- Hafferty does not have a left foot at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, but, you I know. I feel
0: terrible saying that in the press box now because <laughs> she had a wide-open effort. Like, literally, a wide-open effort trying to do a volley, and it just was so bad. Oh, it <laughs> so bad.
1: Yeah, no, I kind of feel bad for using it here, but... uh <laughs> No. Uh, yeah, it, it was bad. But other than that, I, I think that the substitution patterns were good. You brought out Andy Sullivan, who went down kind of with a knock in the middle of the second half. And so just out of precaution, take her out. It, it was... Everything just worked. I think everything for the spirit just worked in this game. And the second... Uh, to a to... Add to Ashley Hatch's second goal. Boy, that was just a calamitous error by Rassing Louisville in the back. Wasn't it? And shout out to Trinity Rodman just getting to the ball and just, just having the know how. Like, I'm going to intercept the ball. Wait, Ashley Hatch is right there. Here, go put in the back of the net. It's going to be wide open for you.
0: Yeah, so for those who didn't see, the goalkeeper was trying to play it from the back, gives it to the defender. The center back elects to pass it back to the goalkeeper for the, her to boot it upfield. Problem was the pass was really weak. Trinity Rodman runs like a stallion, past all the rest of the the defensive line, past the center back, beats the goalkeeper um, with the interception. Goalkeeper tries to dive to get the ball back, but it was easy for Rahman just to quickly then pass it to an open, Ashley Hatchu, one-times it into the net. So that's just smart awareness, very Jaime Moreno-esque by her. Uh, for those who don't, have never seen Jaime Moreno's picking apart goalkeepers for thousands of years, um, very, very well done. You we just
1: got burned, Johnny Walker!
0: I'm always in favor of burning the heck out of Uh, goalkeepers and defenders who like lazy passes. Um, But right now the Spirit are in fifth with 30 points with about six to eight matches remaining. Hopefully they can get into the playoffs. Right now they are in the wild card spot. The way it works is the first top two seeds get a bye and then the next four play each other in knockout games. Right now the Spirit are in. They would have to play away. Right now, their match would be against North Carolina. Those teams have played each other hard this whole season, so something to still keep an eye on. Spirit are only behind North Carolina by two points. Those two forfeits are really biting them because had they actually played those matches, who knows? They may be up in the standings a little more. But 30 points right now. There's a two-way tie for third and fourth for third place with 32 points so a a victory and some of the results going their way it could easily be in third place
1: right so anything is possible going forward in this wild wild ride of a playoff race caught here in the nwsl
0: yeah most definitely but i think unless you got something else you want to bring up i think we're done for today uh, shout out to dc united players by the way i don't know if we bought this up dc united players coming out in full support of the spirit players and their pursuit to getting ownership that was pretty cool to see their statement prior to the match in full support of the spirit players
1: agreed it showed it showed a moment of solidarity not on, not only that you support them in, in every way possible but also shows like hey we, too, want Steve to sell to Michelle Kang. We, we don't care who you sell it to at this point, but sell it to Michelle Kang. But it showed a moment of solidarity I thought was pretty cool. Also, nice little touch actually making this statement also in, in both English and Spanish.
0: Yes, very well done, as always. Um, DC9 players finally doing something to make the club look good. That's the, Aside from <laughs> losing matches, they're winning matches and now winning off the of field. But that's enough for us. Here on the Battle of Movies FC podcast. So before we go, Mario, tell the people where they can find more
1: about you. All right. If you want to find out what I'm working on or you just want to see my thesis statement on Squid Games, you can follow me on Twitter at MarioBioWhat. You want to know what's going on in the DMV and the world around you, follow El Tiempo Latino on Twitter as well at El Tiempo Latino. You can go on their website, ElTiempoLatino.com and if you want to buy and if you want to put money in my pocket so i could actually buy a steak dinner you could go to your local newsstand and get your newspaper there or to your local metro station
0: yep yeah, and as always you can follow me on twitter at jose underscore m underscore mana for more special shout as always to kyle mccloud and impotech for the intro and outro music remember to rate and subscribe as always on anchor spotify and all your audio platforms Thank you so much for tuning in the Bad Ombres FC Podcast, and we will talk to you
1: soon. Adios.